We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Monday morning on the show on KMLX. You can find us on Twitter at the show KMLX on Facebook right now, facebook.com slash KMLX 1120. You can call us or text us. Same number either way. 314-436-7900. We got a few texts in that we're going to get to a little bit later on when we revisit some of the hotter topics, but we definitely want reaction here. So if you'd like to call, you're welcome to do it. We're going to keep the phone lines open for a little bit. 314-436-7900. If you don't have time for that, you can send us a text. We will read that as well. Again, 314-436-7900. Because Amy threw a topic at Chris and I. I don't know. That was the worst. I think that's the first time I've ever called you Chris. She threw a topic to Ranj and I the other day, or was it was it yesterday, about yeah. whether or not people hang with members of the other party. Of the other party, yeah. And I thought that what was in there was interesting. But I also thought that the more I thought about my own kind of groups of people, mm-hmm. I realize I don't know that I ever really ask or find out or even talk about these things mostly amongst friends. And that's really interesting. And that might be an age thing as well, right? So I'm a millennial, you're Gen X. And we talked about like when you were in college, you were not the first thing you did when you asked your wife out on a date is not let's talk about politics. What are your political leanings? Whereas now I do think it's front and center. So where I am at in my various peer groups, you know, because you have all your different groups of friends and all my peer groups, I am almost, well, if not the sole conservative in my peer groups. All of my friends are left of center and most of them are very far left. And so this was interesting. Uh, there uh, there was a professor at Georgetown University who looked at various studies and data and asked the questions, do Americans have many friends across party lines? She said, uh, and this is from the lead, younger and more progressive Americans are the most likely to talk politics with friends and are slightly more likely to report having zero close friends with whom they disagree political, politically. And so, again, progressives in this uh, study were almost three times as likely as conservatives to report having ended a friendship over politics. So 28 percent of progressives have ended a Friendship over politics, 10% of conservatives have. And uh, yes, around two-thirds of Democrats said that their friend groups are mostly also Democrats. And 6 in 10 Republicans, so pretty close, said that their friend groups are mostly Republicans. This is really a lot of numbers, so I apologize. Yeah, yeah, and that's really fascinating to me because I think about... My closest group of friends that I've had for, you know, 
15 or so years. Um, and we all live in different parts of the country now, but there are eight of us. Five of the eight are conservatives. I, I'm a progressive person. I consider myself, and I, I lean that way in uh, a lot of different things. But five of them are conservatives, like very conservative, actually, and maybe have gotten more. So it, it's either one of two things. They've either gotten more conservative as they've gotten older, or they're just more vocal about it now. Yeah. And what you said earlier about, you know, this not being the sort of thing that we talked about 15, 20 years ago. I don't really think it's an age thing. I think it's an era thing. I think that people just across the board are more politically involved, at least having an opinion on politics and then wanting to tell you what that opinion is. It didn't used to be that way. When, when I was growing up, you know, back in, in the early day. 90s. Yeah, it, it just didn't. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Like, when you know, Kevin and I being Gen Xers, we just, when we were in high school, we didn't talk about that stuff. And I get yeah. the sense now that kids kind of do, and they start to form that tribe or become part of a tribe at a much younger age than they used to. But as far as my friend group goes, I am friends with mostly conservatives that I do not agree with. We've had a Facebook... Um, message thread. Oh, there's been, your problem right there. Well, it's just a, it, it <laughs> was Facebook a good way. message thread sounds like hell. No, no, no. It, it's the same as having a text thread, but it's, it's you worse know, on Facebook. Well, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same, Kevin. Um, but we've had it for probably 11 or 12 years. And in the last couple, I just, I can't go to it anymore. Yeah. And it's not that we disagree. It's that it's all they talk about. It's constant complaining about J.B. Pritzker or Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot or any Democrat they can think of or, you know, how bad Illinois is. That's all it is. And I'm like, guys, I love you, but this was better when we were just making so, fun of each other. Uh, well, and that kind of backs up what you were saying about an era thing versus an age thing. So I'll throw two more numbers at you. One is one third of Democrats say that hey, they have zero close friends from the other party. But this actually extends into the party itself. And what I mean by that is Republicans who consider themselves Trump supporters, first and foremost, are more likely to say they have zero friends in the opposite party. Uh, they're actually twice as likely to say that than Republicans who consider themselves more like Republicans, old school, old school yeah. Republicans in general. Traditional. So that means even within the Republican Party, there's a rift. What I, what I really wish, and I'm... I'm saying this as as nicely as I can because it's a topic that irritates me to no end because I consider myself anti-political, not apolitical, yeah. anti. Like the problem is politics. It's not any one issue. It's not three issues. The problem is the fact that it's one team against another team all the time, and that's all that it is. I never have problems with friends or acquaintances or whatever when we talk about very specific stories or issues or things. It's when it becomes this generalized, I hate that team, right. and I like this team, where you, I'm just out. I'm out. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. There's no such thing as a good team. Both teams are flawed. Honestly, both teams suck. They really do, because they do the same thing just in different ways. For different ways. reasons. Yes, they do, but they do the same thing in different ways. And I... I I really do wish that people would stick to more issues related conversations mm -hmm. as opposed to everything becoming, well, see, this is why this group screws everything up. Like, 
okay, you got to be more nuanced than that. We've got to have more detail right. than that. It's a, it's a nonsensical child's game that we're playing here. I mean, because, basically what the last 20 years. Right. Because conflict and disagreement is not just good. It's necessary for a healthy, healthy democracy that functions the way it's supposed to function. Unity is not moral. It's amoral because we all know, I mean, my goodness, the Third Reich had unity. It's not about unity being moral or amoral. It's about the how do we handle conflict, how do we handle disagreement, and can we operate within the confines of democratic norms? And right now, we're making it an exis- the other side an existential threat. And once I say that your existence and your policies spell the end of everything I believe, then you've cut off, you've cut off any uh, ability to have serious mm-hmm. discussion. So there, there has to be disagreement is necessary for a healthy yes. country and democracy, but it's got to be good faith disagreement. Yes. Well, where, it's it's, where where you it's can, what existed when we were talking about this breakdown 15 minutes ago. When we look at 1982, that existed. Right. 1990, it, 1990s, early 90s, it existed, and it's it just no longer exists. Yeah, in the last 20 years, it's really solidified. And, well, it, it started to solidify, and then I think it really hardened in the last probably eight or so years, maybe decade. Uh, But we're not willing to disagree and then say, okay, where can we agree on this one issue? Where are we? Are we close on this? Are we close on that? And where could we maybe budge a little bit? Like maybe I haven't seen it from your perspective, but I understand what what you're telling me now. So let's try to move forward with it. We are totally incapable of doing that. Hit us up on the text line, 314-436-7900. You can also call us on that number. We're going to get some reaction in the next segment. And I'm going to throw a conspiracy theory at these two about why we've gone this way. Next up on KMOX. All right, it's the show on KMOX. Chris Ranji, Amy Marks, of course, Kevin Wheeler. Who's the dude that sang this again? Uh, Bobby Bobby, something. Bobby McFerrin. Bobby McFerrin. McFerrin. He's joined us today, too. Yeah, you're right. He's joining uh, us? No, no, he joined us with the song. That's I was in, making sure that we oh. give credit where credit was due. You guys can text us, 314-436-7900. Call in at that same number. So we're talking about this topic, about crossing lines, right? Yeah. And and how, from our own perspectives, all of us really seem to cross lines quite commonly. Like, it's, I, I don't think there's, it's not unusual for me to be, I'm not, I'm not uncomfortable around anybody. I hang out with people that vote no matter, I mean, all over the place. Most of the time, I don't even care. And don't want to know. I don't even want to know what your politics are. Like, yeah. please take it off your bumper sticker. I don't care. Just, you know, but, and I think I think most people are like that. But the picture that's painted is the opposite of that. And the, and the, the, the way that this is discussed from the top down is the opposite of that. The, we, we, we've turned, it's been turned into, instead of these people disagree with me. Yeah. It's these people are trying to destroy everything the we believe in. They're the enemy. Democrats are the enemy. Uh, the, that it, it is turned into it's enemies as opposed to disagreements. It's right. catastrophi- catastrophizing policies. So, saying that yes. if this guy becomes president, everything you hold near and dear and love about America will be destroyed. So this leads me to the one conspiracy theory that I actually kind of believe. Okay. But it's not really a conspiracy, so follow with me, all right? I believe that people who have real power, and usually that's just money, like super high amounts of money, they prefer that the general public yells at each other 
and is always mad at each other rather than looking at the fact that oh. well, that they're doing the things that they're doing. Like, yeah. hey, don't look up here. Just fight amongst yourselves. And I don't know that there, I don't think there are meetings about it. I don't think that they all get together and go, hey, hey. Uh, let's, let's keep them fighting. Yeah, hey, listen, why don't we uh, Why don't we organize this thing that'll get them all fighting again? Ah, I don't think it's like that. But I do think that powerful people know. And why do you think that? Things became became the way that they did in it with 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 news becoming more than just news with it be, with the way things are framed. I do believe that that there are people that, without acting in concert, without having their monthly power broker meetings, do very much enjoy the fact that we would all rather fight with each other than look up. It's just like mindedness. Yes, and yes. and I think it's this is it's something that. Uh, Zinn wrote about in the people's history of the United States back in the 80s. The idea, and it goes back, and it probably all over the world um, has happened in different countries, but at least in this one, there was a shared, uh, a, 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 there was a common benefit for rich, you know, for, for wealthy landowners to make sure that the poor people and the slave population were distrustful of each other because once those two groups realized their interests are aligned, then the rich landowner is in trouble. So as long as you make those two groups dislike each other, you're fine because they're going to bicker and you're just going to be above the fray living a comfortable life. And I think several hundred years later, it's the same idea. We're just, just talking done, about done differently. Yeah, it's done differently. I, I think that I don't even think that's a conspiracy. I would argue, I think I would it's argue just it's Euro reality. European kings used religion for that purpose. Many, many for for centuries used religion for that purpose. You keep uh, the pagans and the Christians fighting in the Roman days. You keep um, the, the the Catholics and the and the uh, what do you call it the, uh, Protestants. the Protestants. Protestants. You keep yeah. them fighting each other. And meanwhile, nobody's looking up. Nobody's looking up you at know, what's happening above them. The people that just continue to gather power and resources and wealth. They're just doing their thing. Nobody's paying attention because I got to fight my neighbor because my, my neighbor is the devil. Yes, and I agree with you that it's not all the billionaires no, are getting no, together no, 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 with no. their monthly meeting. No. I think it's just I, I do believe it's the kind of thing that just happens. You know, uh, I can kind of see a point there to me when we're looking at within the country, whether it's the politicians or the wealthy or whoever it may be, grievance politics sells. And mm -hmm. I think that within our country, whether it is politicians or talking heads, they're capitalizing on grievance politics for personal gain. Mm -hmm. I don't think they want to make the country weak. And I think there's a difference between wanting to uh, exploit people's fears for your own personal gain. And there's a difference between that and our international adversaries like Russia and China, they actually want to encourage and even catalyze yeah. discord and division because they know it weakens our country. We know that we know they've, they've done it. it. I yes. know. Yes. yes, we know they've done it. And damn it, it works. And yeah. part of the reason why it's working is because for so long we've done it to ourselves. Yep. Right. They're cheering us on yes. while we're yelling at each other because when we think about it, we're Americans. We're on the same side. I mean, we have way more in common with each other than we do with the CCP or some a terrorist state like Iran. 
we're all we we're all on the same side, but you would think that we are each other's worst enemies. It, I I firmly believe that if Bin Laden were still alive, he would be loving this. Like this is this is exactly division. what he he wanted there to be division in this country and to have it tear itself apart from the inside. That's that's the dream or would have been the dream for him or for Putin mm-hmm. or for any of our adversaries. Well, around the around the world, that's what they wanted to happen, and, and we're doing it. So it's a vast oversimplification, but it's essentially what happened with the Soviet Union. What do you mean? It fell apart from within. Oh, it oh, wasn't. It yeah. was, they yeah. weren't attacked. It wasn't. We didn't. We didn't have to fight them on the battlefield. Well, you know, we 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 did find ways to influence parts of their culture and help. You know, because even even during under the Iron Iron Curtain days, American things were still popular. Blue jeans and all this kind of stuff, right? I mean, like, you know, the the rock music, all that stuff was still popular. And all of that led to people eventually saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. So these people that are affiliated in the party, they live in luxury. They got what they want. They have all this food and we don't. And that's that rot from within that eventually makes it well, fall apart. Yeah, I mean, well, that's what John Adams, he wrote a letter to John Taylor in 1814. And in that, he said there has not yet been a democracy that has not committed suicide. He knew that if our country fell, fell, it would be an implosion. It would be from within. And I will say this, as we see each other dehumanized, whether it's because of social media or political silos or other forms of isolation, that's what makes conversation impossible to have because it's it's friendships. Like, has you ever been a best friend or in love with someone on the opposite aisle? You're not trying to own that person. You're trying trying to see where they're coming from. You give them the benefit of a doubt because you know they're a good person. And if anything, you try to persuade or learn from them because you are friends with that person. Yes, and I do think another reason this happens is because we have very popular cable networks who will spend 12 of the 24 hours of their day telling you why you should be mad at the other guy. Yeah. Why This is why you should be angry. This is what they are taking away from you. This is what they are doing to you, and you better do something about it. Well, if you watch a network like that all day, if that's on in your house, at work, in the lobby, wherever you are, and it's just pounded into your head over and over and over again, eventually you're going to be mad at somebody for just existing. You're going to be mad at somebody for having a differing point of view. But the reality is we are not the enemy of each other, and we have to stop thinking like that. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to the show on KMOX. Amy Marks, course, Chris Ranji, Kevin Wheeler with you here today. You guys, is the 78th mm-hmm. anniversary of D-Day, and I thought it'd be good to have a conversation about that with Colonel Jeff McCausland. Of course, you'll find him on Twitter at MCCAUSLJ, and of course, that's his personal account, professor at Dickinson College, national security consultant for CBS Radio. And Colonel, thank you for doing this. First of all, we appreciate you being a part of the program. My great pleasure to be with you today. So 78 years ago... One of the greatest military operations, certainly in the history of our country, but in the, maybe in the history of the world, and certainly the largest such venture at that time took place. And, you know, when I was thinking about this earlier today, it, it, it is both stunning in terms of the magnitude, the importance of the action, and also how different that kind of thing would have to be if it were in a more modern world as opposed to the time in which it took place. Well, absolutely, without question. I mean, uh this was an enormously complicated operation, demanding not only the use of naval power to not only transport ships, but all, or sh- troops, but also to soften up using naval gunpowder. You had a massive bombardment from the air coming in to soften up targets as well. Then you had this large-scale paratroop and glider operation with thousands of American, British, Canadian paratroopers uh, entered, the air, entered uh, France by parachute or by glider. All those would be very difficult to do today do, based on modern uh, air defenses, anti-ship missiles from shore, as we've seen in the fighting in Ukraine, uh, the use of drones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and furthermore, it's an enormous command and control effort uh, demanding that <laughs> is executed flawlessly. And obviously in this environment today, command and control is even more complicated by cyber electronic warfare and the like. Just when you, there's the tactical side, the logistics of D-Day, but in your experience and your career and your life, on a day like today, when you're looking back at what happened, what are your thoughts? My thought is about the individual soldier. And I've been to Omaha Beach. I've been to the cliffs of Pondahawk where the Rangers will climb this vertical cliff in in order to try, try to take out what was believed to be a German gun position. And, you know, uh, way back in the Napoleonic era, Napoleon Bonaparte once said, the moral is the physical as three is to one. The moral is the physical as three is to one. So it's courage, willpower, and grit. When we get right down to it, that's what it in fact takes. And those young soldiers that climbed those cliffs, those young soldiers that went ashore at Omaha Beach, in many cases saw their leaders killed uh, almost immediately as they exited a landing craft, but took charge of the remainder of their squad, their platoon, and continued with the mission. They didn't fall apart. They made it happen. Paratroopers who were scattered all about but came together, a few together, and accomplished the mission. It's the individual soldiers' willpower, determination, and grit that is, I think, best amplified there at D-Day. You know, I bet the best representation, at least from um, an art standpoint, of that day 
is Saving Private Ryan, the the film that I think almost all of us have seen at this point. And I know there there were a lot of people in the service who watched that and were shaken when they watched it, or World War II veterans who had a, a strong emotion from that. And, and just from a, a viewer's perspective who never was in a battle, that is an absolutely gut-wrenching, what, first 17 minutes of the film. So in reality, though, if you are one of those soldiers and you know what you're going into, and certainly the military, the U.S. military, knew it was going to be bad, like, how do you prepare yourself for that? We prepare yourself, first of all, by being well-trained and well-equipped. And they were well-trained, they were well-equipped. And secondly, you have good leadership, which inspires trust and confidence in you that you can actually accomplish this task. You know, Colin Powell used to say when I was in the Pentagon that optimism is a force multiplier. I don't care if you're leading troops in combat or you're leading an organization during a crisis, their level of optimism will only get to your level. <clears throat> They'll never rarely mm. exceed it. You know, Dwight Eisenhower would frequently say to his staff, this is not going to fail. I'm not going to listen to any conversation about this failing. This will, in fact, succeed. And I've got to instill in everybody the belief that they can, in fact, do it. And then finally, you know, it's oddly, I'm sitting here on the Gettysburg battlefield running a leadership workshop, and shortly will be it, where Pickett's charge occurs and where the Union will defend the, the angle at the end of that particular battle. And ultimately, whether you're exiting a landing craft on Omaha Beach or parachuting out of an aircraft or leading men in battle, wherever it might be, ultimately it's the cohesion of the organization. You know, this guy on my left and my right, these are my two buddies. They're not going to let me down, and therefore I'm not going to let them down. And that's what got guys to do what you saw depicted there in the first 17 minutes of Saving Private Ryan. You know, I, I, Colonel, I, my one of my grandfathers fought in in World War II. was not at D, was not at Normandy or any of the beaches at, on D Day, but certainly uh, fought in the Pacific and went through that. And I, I got very little, you know, in terms of stories from him. But I do think that we've done a pretty good job as a society telling that story of World War II, showing those the the brotherhood that you're talking about. Because in that moment, we've talked a lot about too with school shootings or or mass shootings too about responses being about bravery and committing to something you know is dangerous and you've bought into that in advance how much of that is simply the care for the people that you're working with as much as the cause that you're working for well it's a bit of both there's no doubt about it but ultimately the cohesion of the organization is what pulls you through and i think your point is well taken thinking about things right now i mean i spend a lot of time doing executive leadership workshops work with a lot of school district leadership teams i work with some medical organizations what I've found over the last year or so in almost every one of those organizations, you'll find a, a teacher, a janitor, a bus driver, a person who works in food service or a nurse or a lab technician, and, and they were supposed to retire. That was supposed to be their retirement in 2020 or 2021, but they decided they weren't going to do that. They pulled their retirement papers because they were not going to let their teammates down. And that's the kind of cohesion you have to build in an organization to be successful. And frankly, we see that depicted before our very eyes as we watch this war in Ukraine. There's no doubt about it that the cohesion of the Ukrainians, the willpower of the Ukrainians, the moral of the Ukrainians is far superior to the Russians who are attacking them. And that's why the Russian army, for a host of reasons, but that's one of the reasons why I think the Russian army is doing so poorly. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Gettysburg, and I was thinking of Joshua Chamberlain and right. the call for bayonets at the Battle of Little Round Top. And whether it's D-Day or a battle like that, what we're witnessing is 
sacrificial action or sacrificial love. And there's something about that that is so deeply moving because it, it's counterintuitive to self-preservation and maybe our natural human instincts. And you talked about building a brotherhood. Or what other elements of bravery? You know, how do you instill that? How do you retrain the brain to step up in moments of great peril? Well, as a leader, what you want to do is make sure your people are outwardly focused, not inwardly focused. You want to make sure they're focusing on the problem and not focusing on their own fears. Some of that, of course, is compensated by the fact they're well-trained or experienced. <clears throat> and they're also, like I said, motivated by the people on their right and their left. You know, I'm going to be on a little round top at the point, you, it, uh, ironically, what you just described in about an hour. And I do a leadership workshop there. And I, t- and I talk about that particular cohesion uh, in that organization. In the movie Gaysburg, which is a dramatization, uh, so we're not certain that it's exactly accurate, but the character who plays Joshua Shamo will talk to the men before the battle, and he'll talk to them about what we're fighting for. We're fighting to free other people. We're fighting for the flag. We're fighting for the union. But ultimately, he says to them, what we're real fighting for is we're fighting for each other. Mm, Very deep stuff. Uh, We thank you, Colonel, for doing this. Appreciate your time and your service. We'll look forward to catching up with you again down the road. But we really do appreciate you joining us today. Take care. You got it. That's Colonel Jeff McCausland, uh, CBS Radio National Security Consultant, Dickinson College professor, obviously uh, more than 30 years a colonel. Pretty good experience. I like Jeff a lot. I always thought he's, I think he's a great guest. Some interesting yeah. things we can explore in there another time uh, about what we talked about, what you were talking about there with the bravery and what it takes yeah. to train yourself to go against your own instinct to preserve your life. And in case you're wondering, uh, he does have a book, Battle Tested, Gettysburg mm. Leadership Lessons for 21st Century Leaders. It is outstanding. Fantastic stuff. We're going to find out what's trending in the world coming up next on the show on KMOX. What is it? What's happened? What's going on? What do you know? What just happened? What happened? I need to know. Trending now on the show. All right, taking a look at what's happening in the world, what's getting attention, and it's not always what the top trend is. It's the trend that gets each of our attention. And I'm going to start being the sports guy Mm -hmm. with the weekend that the Cardinals had at Wrigley Field. That was pretty good. Mm. wasn't perfect, but there was a lot of drama, a lot of entertainment. A couple of really big performances. Like Hennessy Cabrera last night was fantastic. Got to see a little bit of the kids. Zach Thompson, who came up and threw really well. Uh, yeah, you had your moments that didn't go the way that you want, but you took three out of five. It's a good weekend in Chicago. And it sounds like people are getting closer to coming back. Got the report on Jack Flaherty throwing 30 pitches yesterday. He threw three innings, by the way. Nine outs on 30 pitches. That's pretty good. Yeah, we'll touch take nine, that. Touch 96 on the fastball. Also sounds like Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson could be back for the series against the Rays starting tomorrow. We'll do a lot more uh, on the Cardinals coming up at 1230 in our normal Cardinals segment. Uh, guys, I I don't know why I care, and I'm not sure that I do. Mm-hmm. But it did catch my attention immediately. You all know that Pete Davidson has a relationship with Kim Kardashian. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah I haven't all, seen that anywhere. You all know about that. Uh, but apparently he's kind of been acting as a stepdad to the kids. Oh. Yeah. So he, he seems so, so fatherly. So there are photos of <laughs> first of all, maybe he's a great dad. I maybe. maybe. I'm just saying he seems like he's not. Or he would fatherly. be a good dad. Maybe. 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 There are photos of him uh with Saint West, who is Kanye's kid. They're outside Cheesecake Factory. 
which is amazing to me that they would go to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> wow, it's awesome. Uh, well, no, Cheesecake Factory is great, but if you're like kind of becoming a hyper celebrity and you've got Kanye West's child with you, is that the place you'd go? Yeah. I mean, okay. if you want all that attention, sure. I guess. Which I think he does. I go to IHOP. It's fun, yeah. Pancakes. Oh. IHOP would be great. I don't know how we uh, went from Cheesecake Factory to IHOP, but. St. West is six years old, uh-huh. and, and there's a photo of Pete yeah. holding his hand, mm-hmm. you know, as you do with a kid. Uh, my first thought is Kanye is going to kill him. He's, he's, he's being dad to Kanye's kids, yeah. and we already know Kanye's nuts. So this just reminds me of just how bizarre the lifestyles of these uber-famous people are. Remember, again, going back to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, and it was story after story of crazy nights of drugs and alcohol and abuse and and chaos. And one of those nights would be the worst day of most yeah, of our of course, lives or right. the worst day of our marriage. Yeah. When you think of <laughs> Kanye West being, whether he is, is ill or unhinged, and then Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian and that whole family, what a fake world bizarro bubble they live in yeah and i guess you kind of have to be that way a little bit because you need people to pay attention to you but my my thinking is if kanye's already mad about the kardashian relationship wouldn't him holding hands with your children be the thing that puts you over the top well i think i have zero thoughts on that matter he's already over there Okay, well then let's talk about someone more relatable, Wheels. Elon Musk says (laughs) that he may walk away from his $44 billion deal to acquire Twitter if the social network fails to provide data on spam and fake accounts. Now, the breakup fee would be a billion dollars, which is nothing to him. But I have two thoughts on this. One, or two questions I should say for you. Do you think... Elon Musk will actually buy Twitter. Is this going to happen? And two, can you imagine making a decision that cost you a billion dollars? If I had as many billions as he did, I wouldn't <laughs> worry about it. Well, there you go. That's on number two. Number one, do you think he's going to buy it? Is this going to go through? I don't. I've. The longer this goes on, the more I feel like it's it's going to fall through. And maybe he wasn't okay. really totally serious to begin with, because this is. This seems like the exact kind of thing he would do. Mm-hmm. It's like higher level trolling because he's a billionaire. He's going to pretend to buy one of the most uh, well-known social media platforms in the world. And he's going to carry on this charade for a month and a half or two months or whatever it is. And then at the last minute, just either do something to sabotage it or just back out altogether. That feels like something he would do. So I kind of feel like this is not going to happen. Can I just say I feel about Elon Musk the same way I feel about Maverick from the original Top Gun? Just so smackable. So smackable. I, I, I he think needs, Stan Kroenke you know, is worse than Elon Musk uh, as far as smackability. See, st- yes. Not, I don't want to condone violence. I will say um, uh, um, just being irritating to, the, to your soul. I, I'll stick with the smackable for those guys. I don't condone violence. Um, I, think you're, I think you're looking for punch face. Yes. They, no, that's yes. too violent. Yeah. Oh, no. Never mind. Oh, wait. I, just as a heads up, I'm putting this on the show Twitter account at the show KMOX. Will Elon Musk actually ever buy Twitter? We can see what the listeners have to say. I think he's just a troll, so I'm going to say no. Yes. I think he just likes ruining things and messing people up and trying to insert himself into everything. And again, I just never understand... Why? Why? You you literally could have anything you want and do anything, and this is what you want to do. 
Mm-hmm. You want to be a troll. It is. Got- how in the world do you even have time for that? I would. Be, I don't know. I mean, like, how much fun would you if be I, having? Be like, I don't care about any of you people. I'm going to go have fun. Yeah. If I were a billionaire, I would pay someone to scour the Internet and just remove any like signs of my existence. I don't exist. Yes. I don't exist. And I'm going to go hiking and go to the beach and gonna, go shopping. I'm going to Elvis myself. We're just going to be you're going to be gone. I'm going to disappear. There'll be legends forever, but you'll never see me again. Yeah. If, as long as you are not um, under anybody's scrutiny, you can have the best life. But I, it is God-level trolling, though, to be willing to forfeit a billion dollars just so you can go through all this. Mm-hmm. And it's it, like in itself, it's kind of amazing that he's just like, eh, I'll lose a billion. I don't care. He, I made everybody mad for two months. That's good enough for me. He is. I mean, he is a rebel. I mean, he is a guy with all this money and all of this power. And all he does is irritate everybody. I think he's There's, a faux rebel, though. Do you? I, I do. think he's faux rebel. I mean, he's, I don't even know how to say his kids' names because they've got like the symbol for Boron or whatever mm. in the middle of it. He's a 12-year-old boy who's also a genius, who's also a billionaire. I just loved how he wanted to challenge Putin to like single combat. <laughs> so I would like to uh, make the single the single combat challenge to Elon. Let's go, bro. Let's go. Come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. <laughs> yeah. If you were a billionaire, would you be the come at me, bro? No. I'd buy an island (laughs) and go there and stay. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.